Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. That's new. That's new. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be a good one, isn't it? Right. Three, two. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the 90-Bin Football Network. You're joined by me, Richard Hobbs. I've got Gurley. I've got Kim. I've got Andy with me today. Um, it's going to be a bit, probably a bit of a bulky pod. We've got an end of season sort of roundup and review um, of the last campaign. We're also going to be talking about um, the new man in charge in Bruno Large, um, which I've definitely not rehearsed saying that for most of the afternoon. Um, we'll get cracking on to sort of the end of season stuff. So we've had about three weeks since the Man United game. The dust has settled, I think, to a degree on the season. And, you know, Nuno's tenure as a whole. But we thought we'd have a look back on it, see how we thought the players did, how the manager did, and also how the board and the backroom staff have done as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through the some of the senior players in the squad, give them a bit of a, a mini report card, see how we thought they did over the course of the campaign. Because it was a, I was going to say it was a long old campaign, but it was ironically probably the shortest one of our time in the Premier League with the lack of cup matches um, going forward. But it felt like it went on for a long period of time, despite being the shortest. So we'll we'll start, I guess, from the back and we'll go from Rui Patricio. Um, Briefly, I'll I'll go to Andy first. How would you sort of sum up his season? Um, Indifferent. I think he went through patches where he played really well and then patches where he cost us at least one goal just through... I don't know if he'd been exposed by the defence or if it was just a lack of concentration. Like the Spurs game immediately springs to mind for me. That summed up Patricio for that period of time. And it was just this really nothing speculative shot from distance that somehow managed to beat him. And there was a few too many of those this season. And his shot stopping's always been excellent, but Mm. this season it wasn't quite the standard that we'd uh, we'd come to expect. Yeah, he wasn't. I guess someone you'd say had lots of blunders in him. And he wasn't like a um, Calamity James kind of keeper, but he didn't have that self-assurance. Um, how, how did you find him, Kim? Um, I think I'd agree to a point. I think 
I mean, out, you wouldn't pick him out as a real underperformer, you know, looking at the bigger picture of the whole squad. But I guess that just shows how badly a lot of the players did play over the whole season, I think. I mean, he wasn't as um, sure of him, of like, just with his all-round play, I'd say, last season as he was in his first couple of seasons, you know. I mean... In the first couple of seasons, albeit our defence generally was a lot better, but I feel like there was a few, a lot of times where he completely was rooted to his line. Now, I, I know that he wasn't ever a keeper that was ever going to just come out of the six-yard box as such, but he was almost just completely rooted to his line at times um, last season, I think. And there was a few times where, you know, shots from distance, he felt like he could have he could have done better. So not horrendous, but I would imagine as well he could we could have seen the last of him in a wall shot. Yeah, I think he's been um relatively strongly linked to a move to Roma and to Jose Mourinho next season. You could argue, I guess, that you know, with Mourinho's best tactics have been with a deep line defence, a goalkeeper like Patricio isn't necessarily you know demanded to you know sweep up a lot gully he might suit that formation more or that sort of style more under that manager i mean it'll be a shame to see him go but he's in his mid-30s now rome's a big old club um do you see him as i guess the starting goalkeeper falls next season or do you think um he, he, we will sort of make a switch and go for sort of a slightly different style especially with a new uh new manager of course yeah, I, I think you, you make the point there about him being um, quite a, a static goalkeeper, sticks to his line. Um, now, I think to play into that, over the three years he's been with us, I think he's also been quite a well-protected goalkeeper. And this season mm. was probably the season where his workload's been at its highest um, in terms of some of the the, um, the fortresses in front of him haven't been quite as strong. Um, and he has had to do a little bit more now. When he was well protected, his strengths were obviously amplified and his weaknesses, you know, not so apparent. But this season, I think you've seen that he has got a little bit to his game that he could do working on. And, and like we've seen some, he, he doesn't drop out right clangers, but I think he still has an odd mistake in him where you, you think, well, he could have done better there. Um, and yeah, you know, things like the Newcastle free kicks bring to mind, um, you know, in the last minute of the game, you know, with three points in the bag, really, against a team who hadn't threatened for 90 minutes. Um, to let that slip was was quite disappointing. And I, I'm, I'm very much in the, the, the camp of Nuno. I wouldn't have been too upset with him starting the season. And Patricio is in the same kind of boat for me. I wouldn't be too upset if he starts in golf for this next season. But... I wouldn't be so upset if he's gone as well. No, I think it'll be a, I think it'll be an interesting one in the summer. Um, how that kind of shifts, I guess, going forwards. Um, I I won't really talk about John, but he signed an extended contract. He only played, um, you know, cup games and that that one in the league. To be fair, so I think we can sort of skip in. Um, I'll go for one young fullback first, and then sort of mix it up. Um, came on loan question marks whether he will sign permanently just because of the regime chain in eight nori now i think he has got bags of potential um i think the question will be whether 
they move on Venaga and try and bring in Eight Nori, or whether they stick with Venaga because he's already on the books. Um, I, I guess we'll, we'll kind of circle back around with you, Gully. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure you're you're definitely a fan of um, Ra, and aren't you? Yeah, I um, I think just kind of reverting back to what we saw from him this season, um, you saw a an inexperienced footballer, but you saw a talented one as well, um, and all those things kind of bore out over the course of the season. You saw the talent from the first minute he kicked a ball for us, you know, with that goal on his debut, um, and his ability to take possession, you know get forward he's enthusiastic and at the same time he probably had a bit of a challenge on the back foot um when it came to defensive situations especially earlier on and I do think he benefited from the shift to a back four I actually think he played better as a left back than as a wing back when he could come onto the ball from deeper and I think as people have pointed out already if Bruno is going to implement um his uh, famed system from his Benfica days, then someone like Ryan Aitnuri should be an absolute shoe in to start at, at Leffa. Yeah, I think for, for someone of his um I guess potential, he he I, I personally think it's a no brainer sign. I mean he seems like he's that um upgrade on the Nagru never quite pushed on. I think there are sort of obvious reasons for that with, you know. Him competing for a space with uh, with Johnny, but uh, would you be happy to see him sign on a permanent deal, Kim? Yeah, I think so. Um, the reported fee, I think, is around is it around twenty million? If I got that right, something like that. I had, I had eighteen to twenty in my head. Yeah, I think so. I mean, can you can we get an, uh, a better player for that money? Is my first thought, and a better left back, should I say? I'm not sure that we can. I feel like he, you know, he's already had that one year experience in the Premier League. And as Goody said, you know, he started off great, especially, you know, going forward. And defensively, of course, you know, he did get caught out. And but that's kind of almost what happens with fullbacks when they're so sort of attack minded. Now, that'll happen again next season with our fullbacks if we are playing about four and you know if we're that attacking that just kind of it's almost like fullbacks in this day and age I think you need to have that attacking sort of prowess rather than defensively um, and I think as as I said I think for, if he does sign for balls he'll ju- he'll get better defensively and, and I think he's a lot a lot better player actually than, than Vanagri I was quite disappointed in Vanagri's sort of I thought he was going to be like a world-class left-back and he, he still might be. But for me, he didn't live up to his potential and he almost sort of stagnated. But I think that Aint Norrie really does have that extra sort of something about him and he's not just a sort of like the Nagra was all about step-overs, whereas I feel like Aint Norrie could have that sort of end product um, more next season. So... For me, I would really hope that he hope that he signs. Yeah, I think um, Brighton was probably a bit on the wall for Vinagra um, when Johnny was injured, and then we let him go out on loan. I think um, I, I'm guessing sort of um, are you sort of sim- similar sort of feelings, Andy? Then totally. I'm looking at Ryanette Nuri's stats at the minute. <clears throat> if you look at his attacking stats, so pass completion is like 85 percent. 
progressive carries. He does over six per game, dribbles completed over two and a half per game. Those three stats have him in the 92nd, 81st and 98th percentile. Like he's a high class attacking defender. When you look at his defensive stats, though, you're looking at his interceptions. He's in 24th percentile. He's blocks, clearances, aerials won. They're all in the 30s. So he doesn't have that defensive side to him. But like Gully pointed out, if this is going to be a case of uh, Bruno bringing in this, uh, the fullbacks get covered by the pivotal midfielders, you want him on the ball as much as possible. And we've got the evidence to suggest that per 90 minutes, he's going to deliver. So it's a no-brainer for me. You've got to sign him. Definitely. And good use of stats. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So I want... Not that I don't expect you to come, uh, come with notes, but I was not expecting that. <laughs> but no, I think that I think it's sort of it, it. You know, it's kind of interesting to sort of see the numbers back up that he is very good going forward, but needs to improve defensively. And I think he is someone in that last, I guess, six games of the season or eight games or whatever it was, where a few of the young players got more game time. He was one who kind of consistently did well. Um, I'm going to sort of skip Marcel because we didn't really see enough of him. I think he was good when he played, but when did he play? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think if you if you have a look at it, we won the games that he started um, as, a, as a standard case in point. And, you know, if we talk about him too much, he might just pick up an injury. So we're probably better off. <laughs> yeah, I'm genuinely scared. He, like, he, he's just going to, I feel like he's just going to join that long list of Wolves players who are just perennially injured. Which is a real shame because you say it kind of doesn't matter though, does it? If we start with Ray not eight Nuri and then Johnny's back in November, you might as well just keep him in, in the hope that we only paid two million and he might be fit one day. Mm, yeah. Um, so the next two, and I'm going oh, the next two, we'll go for sort of the centre halves in uh, Willy Bolly and Cody. I mean, that they almost had peaks and troughs at the opposite times for one another for me and. Cody, we'll go Captain Cody first, and he seemed to have gone through a real bad patch pretty much from that England call-up slash goal in November, I think it was, and it seems to have he's just not had that all about him. I think it, it. I feel like I've probably been really harsh on Cody for most of this year because I feel like he's obviously that leader on the pitch for us, but. For me, everyone feeds off his energy. He just doesn't seem to be bringing it for one reason or another, whether it's tiredness, formation, whatever. Um, I, I, I don't know. It, it's been a real tough one for me um, with, with Cody. Andy, how, how did you sort of find it this season? I, I don't know what's happened to Connor Cody from 18 months ago gone are those progressive passes from the back. He doesn't look forward at all anymore. And that was always one of his strengths. And that's what started so many of our blistering attacks. And don't get me wrong, I know we don't have uh, Doherty at right back, but it's not like we've got some jobber there. We've got Samedo, someone who can carry the ball forward. And there's just none of that. His defensive stats have been really piss poor this season. He just, he doesn't, he doesn't pressure. He's not really that good at tracking back anymore for some reason, which was always a strong point of his. His interceptions, less than one per game. I, I don't know what's happened to him, but he just looks 
devoid of confidence that he had prior to uh, the coronavirus outbreak 18 months ago. So, Kim, do you want fancy wildly speculating what happened to Connor Cody? <laughs> um, I think he probably just got caught up in this England bubble with the elite and thought, no, I don't know. I don't actually know what's happened to him. I just think, I don't even think, though, for the whole season, he didn't exactly play well. So, like, even before the England call-up, from what I can recall, he hasn't been, you know, that player that we knew. And I, I, the biggest thing for me that I can't get my head around is why he had he wasn't even attempting those cross-field passes that used to almost start the attacks. I, like, I don't understand, like, was it Nuno telling him not to do that? But then why would a coach tell a player not to do something that usually kind of worked and helped us get in behind with the fullbacks? So, and then the other thing is, as he just completely lost his confidence. Now, I think generally his, his all-round play did show to me that he had lost his confidence and he had, you know, just not just just in terms of starting attacks, but he was all, you know, the, def- the defence always sort of getting caught out. He was getting, you know, he couldn't keep up with a lot of the, you know, strikers that last season, you'd expect him to make those last-ditch blocks. And a lot of the time, it was almost his fault, if you like, for a lot of the a lot of the goals. Um, and it's hard to put your finger on. And, and maybe there's something to do with as well that the, the mid, centre midfield, I think, last season wasn't good enough and wasn't protecting the defence enough, despite us being so deep a lot of the time it's you know we still weren't agile enough so maybe that's something to do with it but I think overall it's just the general overall performance of the team sort of almost brought him down and he wasn't that same player really that that we know yeah Gully I think we um, both Q and Andy sort of mentioned in terms of I guess that tactical shift and that he wasn't trying those I guess for raking passes, balls over the top just weren't there this season. Um, I guess sort of my question is, do you think that's player-driven or coach-driven? Uh, or when I say player, whether it's Cody actually or the players he's got around him, try, uh, keen on making those runs? Well, I mean, the one thing we haven't mentioned is that it might have been opposition-driven at the end of the day. Yeah, because, very true. Mm, very you true. know, if the pass isn't on, he's just not going to play it, is it? So... And we've seen how critical it was as a way of getting us up the pitch. Um, that if you're an opposition manager setting up a team against us, you wouldn't, you know, you, you're not a manager worth your salt if you don't try and find a way of stopping that pass from happening. Um, so I think teams have cottoned on to us a little bit from that regard. And he suffered as a result, obviously. The other thing being, I think Doherty was a bit of an aerial threat um, out on that flank, which Samado clearly isn't. And those bigger balls um, suited Doherty a little bit more, um, where Samedo is probably better receiving the ball to feet and carrying it forward. And, you know, little things like that can make a big impact on a team. I do also think, and, you know, as we look at each player individually, it's worth considering this. There aren't that many players who can play well individually, individually, irrespective of the way the team's playing, I don't think, you know. Two of those players are probably Neto and Troy just because, you know, they can take two or three men on at any given moment. But the rest of the team, 
they need each other to play well if you see what I mean, you know, and Cody's probably been a victim of that because, you know, the guys in front of him aren't protecting him as well. The guys in front of him aren't getting on the ball as much. They're not, you know, they're giving the ball away a little bit more. And all of it, you know, it's it's a, it's an 11 aside football team. You know, it's a symbiotic relationship between the whole unit. And Nuno always made the point that we attack as a team, we defend as a team, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, everything kind of has to be viewed through that prism of, you know what, it's a collective and, you know, he's probably suffered a little bit with the team suffering uh, on the whole. No, I think, I think that's, I think that's completely fair. And Wolves, I think we, we must've been saying it for years. We are sort of greater than the sum of our parts because you say sort of, it's all run through a team. It's all run through a system and the system sort of broke down a bit this season. Um, Again, I, I'm going to skip Johnny just because I think it was a it was a really sad sort of turn of events that he, he he came back for three games and you know did and had a very similar injury, which is sort of you know gut wrenching considering how quality has been for us. But G- Gully, you mentioned Smedo, and my question for you is: if he signed for half a fee, would he be rated twice as much? You know, you're probably totally right. You are. Um, but we're in the era of people viewing transfer fees as the measure of a player, really, aren't they? So um, it's unfortunate because, you know, any team that spends that much on a fullback slash wingback, you are almost expecting them to be a real game change of a player. And Samedo's never been that for anyone. You know, he's still, he's a very good footballer, but you you just not you're not expecting him to win games for you, and I think that's what people might have um, had their hopes on. Um, but at the same time, he took a little bit of time to get used to the Premier League, which you know first impressions count, don't they? And some people still still don't seem to have got that out of their head, um, which uh, you know is probably going to hang over his Wolves career. I've I've made the point that I think when fans are back in stadiums, I'll appreciate him a little bit more. Live action, close quarters, you know, you notice probably things that um, are more difficult to understand watching from your armchairs, which we've all, we've all had to do at the end of the day. So, you know, it's, there's no no blame attached to anyone for that. But I think over the course of the season, you can actually call out him as having a good one in the end. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of very much in the camp, but he, out of, I, I reckon I'd have him more of our top, four or five players this season personally yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it, that's to be fair it's not exactly a great bunch this year um, as we've sort of already alluded to we've not even hit midfielders um, Kim how frustrated were you considering sort of everything sort of Gully just said um, that he scored that goal last game of the season because it's what we've been crying out for to have him make an inside run like that and get on the end of something in the middle of the box and score and obviously it was Doherty, yes, but was it frustrating for him not to do it more? I know he's not yeah. that type of player, as Gully said, but the system still craves it. Yeah, and that's, I think, in all fairness, though, I think I was one of his big critics, it's fair to say, when he first started, but in my opinion, I still think I was being fair. He, he genuinely didn't look comfortable um, when he first started and he did really get caught out a few times defensively. However, as the season went on, you can't deny that he did get better and better and better. Now, the things that I still can't, I still don't think that the relationship that he has with Traore 
And I don't want to keep bringing up Matt Doherty because we need to sort of move on from him. But the understanding that Doherty and Traore had almost, I think, helped Traore because then, you know, he, he didn't have three players around him because they had to watch Doherty. Whereas I still don't think that Samedo has that sort of attacking threat, shall we say, that Doherty had. Um, but having said that, I'm quite positive that he's still getting up to the pace of the Premier League, you know. In Barcelona, I think there's a quote where he, he didn't have to even think about defending because Barcelona, they don't need to think about defending. And it's, you know, the league is not as physical as the Premier League. So I think, yeah, I think I'm quite positive. I think overall, he had a decent season in comparison to a lot of players. I agree with you, Richard, you know, top five players definitely, but, you know, that's that's not difficult. And I think that, I think he'll improve next season and I think hopefully he'll fit into this new sort of attacking fullback um, regime that we're all hoping, presuming and hoping for with Aint Murian and Samedo on, on each side. I'd be pretty happy if we went into next season with those two as a fullback. Yeah, Andy, sort of, would you be happy with... Uh, again, I think, similarly, he certainly seems to have done better in a back four than as a wing-back as well. Would you be happy seeing him, at, um, I guess, sort of starting right back next season as well? Yep, totally. I don't think Hoover is in the position yet to really challenge him. So it is Samedo or a new signing. Um, <clears throat> but I don't think we need a new signing. If we're going to be looking at attacking fullbacks, his stats bear out that he's a very good ball-carrying, progressive defender. That's what we yeah. need. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, we've we've got um, uh, Hoover's um, backup for him. I, I'm going to sort of skip us chatting about him because he didn't play an awful, awful lot. I think he had glimpses, but he suddenly needs that bit of extra time. I think um, the only other defenders we've not really talked about um, were Willie Bolly and Max Kilman. Now, I think Bolly was someone who's had a quietly injury blighted campaign to a degree with sort of I think he had long COVID he's had a hamstring injury and it seemed to take him a bit of a while to get back each time but I think he is still probably our most dominant centre-back would you say it's been quite disappointing really he's made 21 starts this season and 22 starts last season so we've only had half a willy bolly for the last two years and don't get me wrong I, I do agree I think he's our most dominant player but you can't rely on him. I'm starting to worry that he's going to be a bit of a Marcel as he's starting to get older. If he's not going to be playing more than half a season, and we know next season we've got him going to um, the African Cup of Nations, his position's questionable, which is a horrible thing to say because he's a very good player. But I mean, he's going season. off. To, he's going off to um, African Cup of Nations, but we've got um, Max Kilimanjaro to come in, so it'll be fine. <laughs> Great pun. <laughs> Honestly, I've been waiting a fucking season to try and get in and kill a Manjaro. <laughs> and, oh, God, I'm, you don't realise how proud I am of my just shoehorn that in. Um, Kim, we'll, we'll kind of, we'll, we'll pair them up. Um, uh, Bolly, Kilman, how did you sort of find them both this season? I guess they're sort of, I guess uh, the opposite ends of the depth charts, to use an American phrase. Um, I think, just to echo what Andy says, really, I think Willie Bolly, obviously on his day, is at 
currently our best defender, but you, you just can't you can't rely on him. And when he has come in this season, he has looked like he hasn't played a lot of games. He looked a bit rusty. Now this poses a big question to me to say that do we need two new two new centre backs in an ideal world? Starting centre backs as well. That is because you know without. <laughs> Being too controversial, you don't know. We don't know really if Bolly and, and Cody are good enough to to almost start every game and in this new attacking formation that we think we're all going to play. So yeah, I think if he wasn't injury prone and if he had, you know, he played every game and and there's no doubt he's he's a great defender, but there's still that question mark, isn't there? Really over him, so. Hopefully he can get himself, you know, fully fit and, and raring to go. And if he's playing every game, I would have no problems with him, him sort of being our first choice centre-back. But, yeah, I think the jury's out. And then in terms of Kilmer, I mean, I don't understand why anyone would slate Max Kilmer, really, because genuinely every game he played last season, he was faultless. Like, there's no reason as to why you would would it the only reason that people don't like him is because he's not a Portuguese good looking you know suave centre back. He's almost sort of your old fashioned left footed no nonsense centre back but he's actually quite good on the ball. So I would keep him in the squad but I feel like we might try and ship him out potentially. Yeah, he, he he really sort of strikes me um, as the fourth choice centre back, and it almost doesn't matter who we might bring in; he'll still be a fourth choice centre back because you say mm-hmm. he's left footed. He gives you a bit of balance outside. He doesn't, ironically, unlike Bolly, but actually, wait, no. Apart, I guess of all of the defenders who we've already mentioned this seasons who have been sort of at fault for goals, there's not been he's not. I guess committed an absolute howler. There's not been one way, you know, there's been ones where he's been turned a bit too easily and stuff like that, but he's not really been at fault as much. Um, I, I guess, G- Gully, how, how are you sort of on Max Kilman? I mean, obviously I don't think he's, you know, he's not going to pull up any trees Premier League wise, I don't think, but you know, do you think he's got a, um, do you think he's got a shot in the, in the team next year then? I think he there's no sense to moving him on because I don't necessarily see much value in him financially. But I also see that, you know, needs must, he can do a job for us. I don't I don't see him necessarily becoming a world beater of a centre half. I think we've probably seen what his level is um already. But that's not a bad level really. Um, you know, to be a squad player um as part of this, you know, he could almost fulfill the role that someone like Roman Sace has, has filled for us over the past you know couple of seasons as a supplementary centre half when your first choice aren't available. That's not a problem. You know, he's left footed, um, which is another bonus as well. And I I think he's he's quite underrated on the ball actually. I think um you can see that he's got a little bit of quality. He's not he's not a brilliant passer of the ball in terms of moving the ball into midfield and stuff, but he's composed enough. He keeps it simple and he likes blocking shots, you know. That's um, you know that's a, a valuable commodity for any centre half to have. 
No, 1,000%. Um, the, the next two, I'm sort of, and I've just realised I'm going to start quietly doing this in pairs for no apparent reason, but I like the symmetry. Um, the next two is, I guess, for two utility men in the Wolves team, and it's Roman Sace and Dendonka. Now, there's been talk of both of them being moved on. Um, and I mean, I, I can sort of see it with both of you want my honest opinion, like looking, you know, looking back in a way, because Sace, I think first half of the year, I think I'd have probably had him down for player for season. Um, you know, in, in terms of it, some of his performances, but he seemed to have just dropped off and whether it was sort of a case of him being sort of moved in different positions. And again, I can't quite see. I, I, I think it's one of those where if you can get an improvement on him, you can get one. And Dendonk has just had a... a, a I'm just going to say, look, I, I, I'm probably Dendonk's biggest fan in the podcast and I think he's had a very underwhelmingly poor season, um, which breaks my heart to say. Gully, um, we'll start with Sace. Um, season as a whole and I guess how you see him going forwards. Yeah, I think, again, he's a player who we know he has his limitations, um, but has also proven to become a solid, relatively dependable um, Premier League centre-back. Um, I think he's been unfairly singled out on a few occasions um, when it comes to uh, mistakes on goals and things um, for certain situations that don't necessarily... Um, they aren't as um, cut and dried as, as people make them out to be. It might be the case that Sace is apparently, you know, a yard off his man, you know, in the box and, and his man scores a goal. But, you know, there's a little bit more nuance to some of these situations and he, he's often trying to put out a few different fires at, at once. And, you know, I, I just think he's been such a good committed footballer for us that, you know, he, he's quite invaluable in many ways. Like like I just mentioned with Gilman, as a squad player, he's he's, he's worth his weight in gold. Um, he'll never become a brilliant centre-half. You know, he's just not going to be. But he has so many other values and virtues that yeah, you, you want to keep him around the side, really. Yeah, and I think you, you, you touched on something there. I think it's quite important in terms of him being... What, what's the uh, American football phrase? I've realised I've... I've dropped that in twice now, which shows how much content I'm consuming. Um, he's a good locker room guy. Yeah. And like, I think the captain, you know, the fact that he's captain for Morocco as well, you see how he is. He's a, you know, a big, larger than life character. You can see how that will kind of transmit on the players. And I think my sort of sticking point with Sace is that, you know, someone sort of said the other, to me the other day that, oh, well, maybe you could play in midfield next season if, if we improve the back four. And I said, he hasn't played in midfield for nearly two, for two and a half seasons now. There's a reason for it. And I do worry, considering we just spoke about Kilman being, he's a good squad player. How many good squad players we could necessarily have going forwards? And I don't think it's a straight shootout between... Sace and Kilman, but I don't see Sace being able to do it in a back four on a regular basis where I could see Kilman slotting in. Um, personally, I, I feel like I'm just shooting Sace down and I love the bloke. Um, Kim, what, what are your sort of thoughts on, on Sace? I think I agree with what every, what, everything and what you've both said. Um, I think he's actually been at the start of the season, he was almost very good from an attacking perspective as well. 
if I remember rightly. He scored that really great goal against Leeds, which I think was ruled out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was playing at wing back, weren't he? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And people were like, why is Slade playing at wing back? And then he, he turned up with that worldie, which obviously got ruled out. But I think it's it's a hard one because I don't know if he should. Well, I know he shouldn't be starting in our first 11 because he's not good enough to start in centre midfield. He's not good enough to start in a back four. And he's definitely not good enough to start at left back. But at the same time, he's obviously a great utility player because if we did have some sort of injury crisis, as a last resort, at least he can play a few positions. So for me, I'd I'd still hold on to him because I think he's a decent backup. If we're going to expand the squad out, then I don't think personally we should be cashing in on him. And how much cash are we likely to get from him now? You know, so for me, I'd keep him. I was going to say we'll we'll, we'll move on to Don Candy, and as I said I I I think he's had a underwhelming season, and I think uh, as sort of Gully alluded to earlier, he seems to have someone who's suffered from the team suffering to a degree. Um, but I find it interesting how I can't remember the last time he's had a good game for Wolves, but he's in the Belgium squad, which is probably you know. What, probably one of the most competitive squads to get into for the European Championships. And he looks like he's going to be probably a starter, or at least, you know, pretty much in contention for it. So there's obviously a player in there. Um, I, I guess sort of what I'll say to you, because I think we're probably all in agreement he's been underwhelming this season, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. Great. So I guess sort of how do you solve a problem like Dendonka and what's his position going forwards? <sighs> The million dollar question, isn't it? And part of me thinks the reason that Ndonka just hasn't hit the heights is because of Nuno. Because I don't think Nuno ever quite knew how best or how to get the best out of Dendonka. When he started when his form really hit the skids was when he kept moving in between midfield and defence and he never quite found a settled place in the team. I almost feel like he needs a run of games in a position and make that position his own. I think he could be a great centre-back for us, but I don't think you can play him for 60 minutes in defence and then 30 minutes in midfield. I think you need to give him that consistency. I don't think he's a box-to-box midfielder, purely because his finishing isn't anywhere near good enough for that role. The few times we've seen him as this defensive midfielder protecting the back four, I've been quite impressed, but he's never he's only been used in that position maybe once or twice. So... I'm hoping that Large will have an idea on what he can do with him because the previous incumbent clearly didn't know what he was doing with him. He used him as a jack of all trades and a master of none. Yeah, Kim, what what do you sort of think of Dendonka? I guess sort of, I say, very much going forwards then. Yeah, I'd agree. I think he almost lost his way, didn't he, in the end? Because it's almost like Nuno didn't know where his best position was. He didn't he came off that he didn't really know what his role was within the game, within most games. And I, I agree he's definitely not a box to box midfielder. You know, he 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 doesn't he's not exactly a creator and he's definitely not a good finisher. So I still don't actually know what his best position is. I, 
feel like we could get some money back for him, and I know that might seem a bit harsh, but I feel like he's one player that he hasn't pulled up any trees for the past couple of seasons. And I know he's not long signed a new contract, but potentially I feel like we could, if we've got a sell to buy, he's one player that we could get some cash for, especially if he has a good Euros. He's starting for Belgium, I believe, most games. So if he has a good Euros, then his stock should rise and we could potentially get, could we get 15 million? I don't know, but, you know, it's one to think about, I think. I think, I do think it's an interesting... Um, point to be fair because uh, well I guess over the last three years he's not quite found a position and if he doesn't quite fit it for this manager as well it, it, it's a bit of a wasted opportunity for him so I don't I, I think there might be potential mileage in him sort of making a move if we are looking to change the dynamics in it you know in that system G- Gully what what do you think I think Dendonka is the biggest example um, we've got in the squad of a player who is judged essentially on his last game um, constantly and, Mm. you know, an inability for him to, you know, be viewed any other way. I I, I always use the example of Jordan Henderson because I remember him coming to Molyneux and being... um, one of the most anonymous footballers I've ever seen uh, for Sunderland. And he's gone on to become a Champions League winning captain, a Premier League winning captain for Liverpool. The season before, um, he had a pretty decent second half to his first season at Wolves. You know, him having a relatively poor campaign this season does not mean that next season he's not worth, you know, his spot within the squad. You know, he has the capacity to improve. He has the capacity to clearly you know, fight for a place on international stage. And I think he's probably held in greater regard by people within, you know, football coaching circles and, and, and management, you know, than he is within, you know, the spectator because he's not a thrilling player to watch, let's be honest. He's quite a funny guy to look at when he's running. Um, you know, he's not going to finish chances mm-hmm. and he probably does a lot of shit that people just don't notice because he's cutting off passing lanes, he's getting about the pitch. You know, people have called him like, you know, Dave Edwards, you know, a poor man's Dave Edwards and shit like this, which is frankly quite insulting. It's insulting to the bloke, if I'm being totally honest, um, you know, for the bloke who's starting games for Belgium. But uh, I, I think, I feel, I feel like I'm calling out the Wolves fan base here, you know, you've got to cut him some slack. And if we get rid Do of it. him, we literally, have, we literally have zero central midfielders left if we get rid of him. So, um, you know, go figure that one out. In fairness, I think the, the critique of him being a poor man's Dave Edwards is that he's been asked to play the Dave Edwards role whilst not being that type of player at all. Yeah. So yeah. he's being judged on something he's not. That's yeah. the issue, isn't it? The only reason I mean, being that when he can get into of... the box and head the ball, you know, and he can win a header. So that's probably why yeah. Nuno's decided he can, he can try and get him into those kind of positions, but mm. it's just not worked. Well, I think, uh, and I think if you've noticed, uh, you noted about it, I guess his defensive positioning in terms of him, I guess he's not really a block busting, block busting, block buster defensive midfield. You know, he's not crunching in the tackles, but he's quite savvy in how he gets in the right positions and closes down, you know, uh, passing lanes. But he also seems to be very astute going forwards in terms of getting himself in the right positions. But he's 
uh, you know, he's a defensive midfielder, centre half or whatever, bit of a unit who's not necessarily does, you know, spent 20 years of his life, you know, moulding what he wants to do around being able to get into a box and finish. And you say he's sort of being asked to do things that just don't quite fit him. But um, moving, I guess, into centre midfield, um, we've got Neves and Martinho, um, the Portuguese duo, both of who have been sort of linked with moves um, away from Wolves. And I think um, I, I mentioned about sort of top five players. I think Ruben Neves was probably in sort of my top two, I think, this season for a large period of time. Um, but I, I know Gully saw enough analysis on um on Neves this season in terms of him being a defensive midfielder and actually being a really good one at that. Um, but it doesn't quite fit the Wolves fan narrative, I guess, of him being this, you know, cultured, you know, passing midfielder, I guess, and that sort of change in his game. Um, Gully, I guess I, I'll kind of go, you know, go, go to you on this one because you speak a lot more eloquently on it than me. Um, do you, yearn for him moving back to I guess having the time and the luxury to just pass the park away you know what he, again going back to the point you know someone who's suffered with the team suffering and um, frankly the players ahead of Neves um, I think are a big part of his game and when you've got players like Neto Traore um, minus Jimenez um, no Jota you know, these guys have totally um, defined the way ne- Neves has played for the last couple of seasons. Um, and again, a player who has suffered as a result of it, I think he's got, I think he's beginning to prove that he's almost a world-class defensive midfielder. He's he's very, very good at anticipating, reading the game, you know, intercepting passes, making tackles. Um, but like you say, because it's not got the... The um the cherry on the top with the the thirty yard screamer, you know, as people seem to think that he's having a poor game or a poor season, but you know, you'd instantly see an upturn in his form with a bit more of a dynamic forward line in front of him. No, com- completely agree. Um, Kim, do you think? Uh, I guess sort of, God, he's pretty much alluded to it, but um. You know, has he very much suffered from Jossa going the same way Cody maybe suffered from Doty going? I think so. I think that's very fair to say that, you know, if we haven't got the the off-the-ball running that we have when we had Jota and Jimenez starting, that's pretty much Neves' attacking game, isn't it? You know, like, he is a great defensive midfielder, but, but Wolf fans don't tend to notice, you know, his interceptions, his blocks. And he's got a lot better at that this season. But the one area that he's sort of seemed to have got, gone downhill on is his sort of free kicks. And it's like, I don't know quite know what's happened because he literally barely gets a free kick on target, never mind scores one. Um, so that's my one big issue shall we say with him but then if he is a defensive midfielder I think I'd agree he's definitely in the in terms of you know his all-round defensive play he's he was in the top three players for me um last season um by a country mark because I think he had some bad games but overall he was quite consistent 
to his overall performances. But sometimes you did, you people did sort of cling on to the fact that he was just awful at his at his free kicks. So yeah, I feel like he might have played his last game for Wolves, but in an ideal world, I think I'd hope not because if it's forty five million, I think we'll struggle to potentially get someone in that role as a defensive midfielder who's better for that money. So I'm hoping it's not true, personally. Andy, uh, do you think that Nevers played his last game for Wolves or do you think he could be, again, next year could really be a breakout year for him? Because I think, I think judging on this season, I think he's got, you know, again, potential to push on next season beyond quite a lot of the players in that team. I think he's ready for a move to a bigger club, if I'm being brutally honest. As much as it pains me to say that, because I don't want him to go, I do agree with Kim, I think... I think he will probably be pushing for a move to, if not a Champions League team, a team who wants to be a Champions League team, such as Arsenal, um, is in that position. He's a very good defensive midfielder. Like if you look at his, how he presses, presses the ball, his interceptions, his blocks, he just gets around. He's like a, you know, a blue-ass fly. He gets everywhere. And I, I, yeah, I can see him fitting in quite well into the Arsenal team, to be perfectly honest. And I'll have to hate him when he leaves. That That's the worst thing about it. He'll be dead to me, but that's the way he goes, I'm afraid. I'd be really disappointed if he actually does go to Arsenal. I feel like he can do better. Yeah, I think he can do better. Yeah, I think that's it. Like, I'm, it's like, I'm okay with you breaking up with me, but, you know, you can still do, you can, you can do better than that. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm better. I feel like I'm projecting now, aren't I? Yeah, yeah. There's a story there, isn't there? Say, can anyone? Can my wife hear me? Do you reckon from a floor above? You're anyway. gonna move on, but not for that guy. <laughs> yeah, don't move on him. No, I do. I, I do think you're right. I don't. I can. I can see why Arsenal, because frankly, they can probably just about afford him, but. Mm. Nah, I, I, I'm sorry. Like, I, honestly, if he went to, I don't know, um, let, let, for, for example, just because they scraped um, qualification for Champions League, like Juventus, let's mm. say, I'd go, yes. If he, even if he went to, hell, Liverpool, to be honest, again, you know, we, you know, do it following the Jota route, and I think I'd said last year or year before I would be perfect or a Man United even if they were looking to solidify the midfield but mm, I don't know I, feel, I can't feel at the moment Arsenal sort of dropped that bit lower personally um, the other sort of centre midfielder we haven't talked about is Martinho who I think by and large would we all say he's been poor this season and not again sort of as someone who has regressed to a level where we were all a bit anxious whether you can actually pull it back next year or do any of you have, I guess, positivity that under a new manager with a, I was going to say a bit of a break, he's in the uh, Euros. Um, I'm now really anxious now that this 35-year-old guy's just not getting any break. Um, do, do you see him being at, a, being at Wolves next season and do you see him being able to perform or do you think he's someone who's going to, quietly step back to being a squad player next year and then slip off next year. Um, I'll go to Gully. Oh, 
I've been the chosen one. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, for, for 10 plays, I've got in a perfect circle. I've gone, nah, I'm just going to screw it up. <laughs> yeah, just go around, yeah. that, that, that anecdote just, screw, just completely messed with my routine, hasn't it? It's all right. You're just going to have to deal with that after the pod finishes. Right? Yeah, so, it'll be yeah. fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, I, I don't want to keep trying out the same line, but I'd still think Martinez probably suffered from the options ahead of him just not being of the quality that they were. Um, and, you know, when when he's playing on the back foot a lot of the time, such as we we have, I think he will end up suffering out of, out of possession. He, he's, he's a pretty diligent worker and I don't think people quite, un, you know, understand how hard he works. I, I think for a, for a bloke of his age, he covers a hell of a lot of ground. Um, and I think there's still... It's still a bit of an assumption on people's side that because he is a year older, he's getting slower and not he is literally, you know, ready for the scrapyard. I don't think he's quite ready for the scrapyard, but in a different team, in a different system, he could still work. Um, not the way that we've used him. Our central midfielders have to get through a hell of a lot of work, um, you know, protecting the back three um, as it has been and, and the back four as well. So in a more possession heavy, possession dominant team, I still think, think he has a role to play. Um, is there much point in us keeping him on um, if it's going to stifle an, another player's growth, such as, you know, um, a, a new Portuguese wonder kid, Vitinha? Then I, I don't really see the point in, in, in hanging around. But if Bruno sees a role for him uh, in, a, in, like you say, a different style, different setup, then, you know, he's, he's still an invaluable player, as seen by the fact that he's still a Portugal international. Yeah, I think um, yeah, you, you've touched on something there for me. I, I guess. He's obviously still got something about him, and he, he almost seems like the sort of player who will still be able to do something, you know, at the age of 38 in the middle of the park for some team somewhere. But you're hopefully, my to... Sunday league team, um, if anything. I was going to say, what, 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 incentive, what set, um, incentives could you offer? Would you pay his subs, or what, what, what um, would you offer? Captain's armband? I'll get him a pint after every game in the pub. Yeah, that'll be, wouldn't it? There we go. I think I, I think that could work. I mean, to be fair, he'd save <laughs> he'd save money. He save a decent amount in the long run. Um, yeah, but what I was going to say is is his involvement in the squad as a first team player. Let's say restricted. You know, you've said Virginia. I think ju- just because of the transfer rumor, Neves. Um, and if you have, I'll, I'll sort of do it briefly with Kim and, and Andy, but. If you had to choose one to stay next season and one to go um, out of Nevis and Matinho, Kim, which one would you pick? Well, Matinho's got to go, hasn't he? Just because of his age. Um, he's obviously coming to the end of his career now. Um, still in great shape. So I don't think he has been having many points fully. So I don't think he would take you up on that offer. I think if you offered him a wine after every match, feel like that might be more of a piece of street. But, he's, he's definitely a red wine kind of guy, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence, because I, but I actually expect him to probably leave, you know, like I've seen, you know, without looking too far into the, the rumours, it does feel like we are coming to an end with some of these sort of Nuno signings. However, I would like to see how we would get on in this new formation and, and maybe would flourish a little bit more if we're, you know, if we are going more attacking. So 
I feel like he might go. I wouldn't be adverse to him going or staying. But I think we have to think about he's one of our highest paid players, isn't he? And if we're struggling for wages slash transfer mm-hmm. budget, is it worth just cashing in and using that, that money for wages for some new signings potentially? So it's one of those. I'll be sad to see him go because he's such a good player, but I wouldn't be too upset in the long run. Andy, Nevis or Moutinho is your starting centre midfielder next season? It's got to be Neves. Um, like I do like Moutinho and it feels harsh to say it, but he's at that point in his career now where he can't be in the first 11 week in, week out for a team with the ambitions that we've got. I don't know where Moutinho will fit in to a Bruno Large team if he goes the way that we're sort of expecting Bruno Large to go. So again, just looking at his stats here, he's got shot creation actions, three per game, which is like in the 90th percentile. He's a very good shot creator. He does actions that bring other players in and he's a good attacking player. But then you look at the other end with his defensive actions, which as a centre midfielder under large, I imagine they will need to be more important. And we know that he's the most dribbled past def- uh, midfielder in the league. Like his clearances, aerials, one blocks, they're all right there in the bottom. I don't think he's, he's obviously not that type of player. He's not going to play him as the second striker that's rumoured to be the way that Large plays. So I, I don't think he's got a role for us, but his experience is invaluable. So if he does stay, I wouldn't be too disappointed. But if he stays and he's in the starting eleven, I probably would be a little bit perturbed that we haven't improved on it. Just on that, just on that uh, point, Andy, as well. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a player better at fouling people without getting a yellow card. Oh, he's an absolute shitbag for us, isn't he? Brilliant yeah. at it. Yeah. Like, somehow referees just, just, I don't know. Maybe it's because he's so small. Just pat him on the head and say, I. <laughs> he I think really... it's how he, apo- he apologises as well. <laughs> That's it for me. <laughs> I, I was going to say I used to do a similar thing at um, Sunday League, where if I did a foul, I just go, oh, sorry about that. And you know what? You generally get comes a little bit. It greases for wheels. I was going to say. He almost makes the he makes the challenge, and even when he's just as he's the moment he's made the challenge and made contact, he puts his hands up, doesn't he? Like right away, and he seems to just get away with it every time. So we've got four more players left to cover, um, who who sort of really want to because I think. We could talk about Jimenez in the 13 games, but I think his season, however well he did in those sort of initial dozen games, I think it's just been so overshadowed. Um, and William Jose, I think we can all just do, you know, we can, we can write that one off. Um, I guess it's sort of our, our front line now. So we've obviously Pedro Neto's had a breakout year for us. Um, and I think he has, you know, got star qualities in the making. Um, the player I wanted to talk about was Podence, who I thought he was going to be our, you know, our, our number ten magician, and via injury and inconsistency, he's just not done it this season, which has been, I guess, one of our uh, biggest, uh, my, one of my biggest frustrations. I think this season, alongside Dendonka, Andy, what do you think about uh, Podence? Um, he looks like he's really good but I think he's deceiving people. 
Like he's got the tricks and the magic, but he ain't got much else. Like he's got no end products. And that's really frustrating because he looks like he's got everything else about him. And he's another one who seems to be made of biscuit. Like he's made 20 odd appearances this season. That's, you just can't rely on that again. If the opportunity comes to cash in, I'd be inclined to let him go, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I, I think sort of, I'll be leaning that way at this point, especially with the emergence of Vitinha and, dare I even say, Gibbs-White? Finally, the emergence of Morgan Gibbs-White. I was going to say, I, I was gonna say, I've been banging that drum for four years uh, and, you know what, he scored one goal, so I think he's, you know, we've just got to back and play for England at this point. <laughs> yeah, in, absolutely. Uh, How is he not in the squad? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If Foden's in there, what's he ever done? You know, um, it's, it's, it's a disgrace. G- Gully, what are you on there? How do you sort of sit on? Podence. I, uh, I'm a fan. I am personally a fan. I think he, he's a he's a bit of a good times footballer. Where I think if the team's playing well, he's he's right at it. You know, he's pulling out all the tricks. He, he's a, an important part of it. But he seems to have a bit of a temperament issue. Um, where if things aren't going his way, he gets quite sulky. Um, and if you compare that to you know, the player who essentially replaced in, in Jota. You know, Jota was an unbelievable footballer when he was angry. Um, you know, he'd drag the team by its bootstraps up the field and win you a game. But Pedence would rather probably, you know, try and get as much as out of the, the referee, you know, dive around, strop, smash his fists on the floor. You know, he's the size of a toddler and he can have a tantrum um, like one Carney as well. So, um I'm willing to give him another season, I think, um, in a better better team with a more attacking setup because I think he can be a good part. Not the key part. I don't think he's good enough to necessarily be the main man in like a, a, an attacking team, but as a part of a more fluid system, like we hope to have next season, I think he could be a good uh, element of it. Definitely. Um, we'll, we'll move on to sort of Traore now, Kim. I guess sort of, Again, he was someone who sort of struggled with injuries sort of first part of the season, but uh, he seemed to have picked it up, I guess, that, that last sort of dozen or so games. And again, so it must have something, but he's in the, uh, he's in the Spain squad for the Euros as well. Yeah, um, I don't know if that's to do with, I've, I've been doing a little bit of research, the old tipster on, on Euros, but I believe mm, okay. that Spain have not got any sort of pace in their team, in their squad. So you could probably suggest that they pick Troy Oro just for that element. Um, probably not looking at his uh, poor end product this season. Um, in all fairness to him, though, I think he generally in towards the latter part of the season, definitely he really looked like the player of old um, that we saw, I think, last season. Um, I feel like Troy Oro will come into his own again if and when Raul's back. And in this new system, if we can get him, you know, really playing well and making some, getting getting him behind, getting him behind and making the runs, because for me, with his pace, we should be, there should be multiple times in one game that we should be getting him behind with his pace, but that never happens. He always wants to take the ball from deep every time. Um, which only results in one thing, usually him running down the byline and then putting a cross in, which is great, apart from the fact that we never have anyone in the box. Um, 
that was the same the previous season, but the difference was you had Wow in the box and you had at least Jota coming in and, and that kind of thing. So I think, I feel like it's a big season for Troy right? and I hope we don't sell him. But I can't say for definite that I think he will be here because I do feel like he could be angling for a move. And I think we'll sell if the price is right. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I think um, Troy is going to be an interesting one. Uh, I was going to say moving forward, sort of post Joros, because I think Gully, have you? Am I right thinking? I feel like I might have been making sort of. You've tipped him to have a relatively big Euros. Yeah, I I think he will probably play twenty minutes a game, but will also be one of the breakout players of, of this tournament because he's so different to any other player on the planet, and he will be playing against players who. Frankly, won't, I won't have a clue how to deal with him. Um, you know, we, we forget that the Premier League is probably the most uh, physically demanding and athletic league out there. So, you know, my man from the Ukrainian, um, you know, first division, I ain't going to have a bloody clue what to do with him if, if, if Adama Traore is running at him. And I'm expecting the Spain to use him as a bit of an impact player. But I, I really do think, you know, and you know, this is how tournaments work, isn't it? People only need a couple of good games. The next thing you know, they're legends for the rest of their careers. Um, so this could be one of those moments where Dharma comes to life. No, um, fingers crossed he, he does. Um, last but not least, it's a Big Fab's uh, Fabio Silva, who I, I think pretty much from the start, I think a few people were a bit hesitant. Obviously, he had to sort of uh, hit the ground running and got sort of chucked in at the deep end in the end. Um, but I was trying to look back on it for this. I thought he didn't have too many bad games or too many games actually where he looks completely out of his depth. Even at the start, he showed he had good movement. He was getting in the right positions. He could do the little things holding up the ball. Obviously, he's got a lot stronger as well in the last nine months as well. I think that's apparent. But um, Andy, for you... um, I, I guess do you sort of see him really sort of pushing for the starting number nine and being the, the main striker next season? Because I, I think, you know, he, again, he is someone who quietly has done the business, I think, for someone his age. Yeah, I've been impressed with him this season. It, it's been an arduous time. He obviously didn't expect to play. None of us expected him to play. I don't think, I think if you've got a fit, Jimenez, you're obviously going to go with him first and foremost. I wouldn't, I don't expect him to go with both Jimenez and Fabio next season in starting 11. But I have no qualms about him coming off the bench for the, like, the last half an hour of games. I'd, I don't think the team would be demonstrably worse off with him on the field than with him not being on there. So, yeah, I, I think he's had a, a decent season for. I mean, he's still a child, let's be perfectly honest. He can just about legally drink in this country. So I don't think you can overlook the fact that he's had a big, big year and he's made some massive strides. So, yeah, I'm, I'm more than pleased with what he's uh, he's given us this year. And he scored against the shit. I know he like, obviously didn't go away over 90 minutes, but it's a big moment for any player to score against your team's local rivals. And he'll always be a bit of a hero for that. No, definitely. Um, we'll, we'll end this... Um... 
on something, I, you know, I, I, just something a bit fun. And the fact that I can see Andy and, and Kim having a drink at the moment. You've just mentioned that Fabio Silva's just about old enough to drink. Which pub would you take him to in Wolverhampton? Just, just for a quick pint after a game. He fit, obviously. Oh, He'd look as... He would look as uncomfortable as you did in there to be rich. <laughs> <laughs> in hindsight, for, for, I can't remember if we've told this story um, on, on, on the pod. We really don't have time for anecdotes because we've already knocked it out. And <laughs> need to knock, we've got like uh, about 40 minutes more content to power through. Um, we were, met up for a drink after the game. It was in November. I was wearing a fleece and a coat. We hadn't agreed where we were going for a drink. We said, oh, we'll meet up afterwards. So... Uh, Midnight, I'm in Gifford wearing a quarter gilet jacket and a fleece. I don't think I've ever looked any more out of place in my entire life. Yeah, I don't think many people who wear cardigans have sat on the throne <laughs> in the Gifford. <laughs> yeah. So, Kim, how about you? Where, where are you taking him for a drink? Well, you know, I don't really know pubs in Wolverhampton these days not living in the area well I do to be fair but I don't rate that many of them uh, I wouldn't take him to a pub in Wolverhampton I'll say I'll take him around my jewelry quarter okay and a little pub crawl around jewelry quarter is mine that's good no it's good I mean it's probably a bit more up his street if we're gonna <laughs> if we're gonna be honest with ourselves and then you know we can hit jam house afterwards that, that seems fair to me. Um, Gully, how about you? I think he could do with um, a bit of a protein kick. So you'd have to take him for a mixed grill somewhere, wouldn't you? Um, just a nice platter of meat, you know, fill him up. Um, to name a few in walls, you've got the yew tree probably, you know, right in the arse end of... Um, well, Grazley, probably you call it, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Um, in yew tree. So, yes, that feels like a good shout. Um, take him down a street that he looks like he might get shot at the end of. Um, <laughs> but before you know it, we've just stuffed him with meat, which is which sounds great, doesn't it? it have a lovely time. All right, so we're going to take a short break. Um, we'll be back after this. We're going to talk a little bit about Nuno, a little bit about the board, and a bit about the new man, Bruno. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to part one of our end of season podcast. Um, Make sure you check out part two coming out tomorrow um, where we'll talk about Nuno, about um, the board and backroom staff at Wolves and about our new manager, Bruno. Look forward to catching up with you all soon.